Acts chapter 14, verse 19. The word of the Lord comes to us saying, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. I want to talk today from this thought, the day after trouble. The day after trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what will you do the day after your trouble? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The day after trouble. My brothers and sisters, the book of Acts ushers the reader into a world where the gospel is a new message. It shows us a time and a place where Christ Jesus had just recently gone back to the Father. The gospel is a brand new paradigm. The church is new. Luke shows us in his writing in the book of Acts of the apostles, the early history of the gospel as it spreads throughout the known world. Many of us like to believe that the book of Acts is primarily about the birth and the growth of the church. It is true that Acts records extraordinary events like Pentecost that indicate a new paradigm in God's dealing with his people. Pentecost meant that God would now reside in his people His spirit would be in them as a wonderful grace gift which marked those people who received Christ as God's very own family. So Pentecost was this wonderful event in Acts chapter 2 where the prophecy of Joel was fulfilled where he said, I will pour out my spirit upon them. And that's what God did on the day of Pentecost. But my brothers and sisters, the book of Acts is more than just the birth of the church. The book of Acts describes in great detail the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And and it also describes the impact of that gospel on those who heard it as well as those who preached it. 
we see laid out before us in the book of Acts this wonderful, this wonderful kaleidoscope of events that all center around this central message called the gospel of Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again for the sins of those who would believe. The gospel is the central focus of the book of Acts. Yes, we could talk about how uh, the believers had all things in common in Acts chapter 4. We could talk about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, how, you know, they, they fell dead. Man, that's a, that's a great story. If you, don't, if you don't tell the truth in church, you could die. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you, you see, we could talk about all of those things, but if you read the story as a whole, when you read this great narrative called the Acts of the Apostles, we see time and time again, the focus is on the gospel of Christ, those who preached it, those who heard it, and those who lived its fruits. Now, those who preach the gospel, we'll take a look at them for just a minute. Those who preach the gospel did so in most occasions at their own peril, especially those who, like Paul, who dared to take the gospel to the house of Israel. And in doing so, Paul challenged the longstanding Jewish traditions and culture. Greg, could you give me just a little more in the monitors here? Thank you. He challenged this, this Jewish tradition and their culture, and this was enough to put his life in jeopardy. His very existence was in jeopardy because he decided to take this gospel to his own people. Many of us forget Paul was a Jew. And he wanted his own people to know and to hear this wonderful message of the gospel. And he challenged their traditions and their culture. Now, it is my contention, brothers and sisters, that as we as contemporary believers do not stir up nearly enough trouble with the gospel. I'm going to let that marinate for just a minute. How much trouble are you stirring up with the gospel? Now, I'm not talking about trouble you just stir up in general. <laughs> Got a few troublemakers in here say, I stir up trouble all the time. You know? No, I'm talking about how much trouble do you create around you because you determine that you are going to go against the grain. You're going to move upstream. You're going to do what is different. You're going to share the gospel with every person that you meet. How much trouble are you stirring up? One time in, in the book of Acts, we read about Paul and Barnabas and the people in the town said, here come these men that have turned the world upside down. Now think about that for a minute. Two men being accused of turning the entire world upside down. Now you might say, well, they're using hyperbole. It's, a, it's an exaggeration. But think about it. How many of us can say that we turned up just a little bit of the world upside down? That piece of the world you call your home. 
Oh, pray with me here. That part of the world that you call your job, that part of the world that you call your neighborhood, how many of us are turning our world upside down for Jesus Christ? So, so, so I, I contend that when you look at the state of the world today, believers aren't stirring up nearly enough trouble for the sake of the gospel. Now that I'm thoroughly in trouble... but here's what I want to share with you if we are to understand that trouble caused by and for the sake of the gospel is the expected lot of those who preach teach and share the gospel then there are certain realities that we must deal with certain realities that become apparent if we accept the fact that when you stand for Jesus Christ you are going to cause and stir up problems around you there will be people around you that are not going to be receptive to this message there's a world in which you live that denies the power of God and his message of truth and so if you accept that as the reality then certain realities become apparent and here from this text let's let's take a look at these realities because I think Paul understood in some ways that that by preaching the gospel he was risking his very life and I think about that and I think about the missionaries that are on foreign soil that go to different cultures that that go into the world uh, that we would never even know about that hit the jungles of South America but also the the urban centers that are around us I mean uh, in these countries all over the world and these cities I think about those missionaries and I say many of them risk their lives on a level that we can't even begin to connect to and so there's certain realities here here's the first reality I want us to understand those who oppose God want you dead now think about that because we don't often think about dying for the cause of Christ we think about maybe I'll lose a friend or two but those people the forces of Satan and evil want you dead because they oppose God look at verse 19 says but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds There are people that will stir up other people to be against God. It says, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Now, there are always some folks in and out of the church who are what I call simply stoners. (laughs) They're stoners. Their number one objective is to hinder the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they will stone your vision, throw rocks at your ideas, and lob boulders at your progress. Because they're stoners. That's what they do. 
Now, you understand, in that day and age, when they wanted to get rid of somebody, there was no trial or due process or any of those things. You didn't get appointed a public defender and somebody could stand there with you and plead your case. In those days, if they didn't like you, they simply took you outside the city and they called the stoners. And people picked up rocks and stoned them. And they would leave you right where they stoned you. They didn't call your family. <laughs> they didn't call the funeral home. Nobody, nobody cared about getting your body all prettied up for your home going. <laughs> None of that. They would kill you right there and think nothing of it. They would be justified in their minds. And there are always some people in the church that are figuratively like that, in and out of the church. There are people that want to stone progress. They want to stone vision. They really want the church to just be a place where they can be comfortable and never be asked to do anything for the cause of Christ. Because they come to church simply to deal with their issues and not to be used of God. Now, I know that doesn't, that doesn't apply to anybody in here today. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so understand this. Satan and his imps are, just, are, are, are not satisfied with just your silence. They want you dead so that you can never utter another word for Jesus Christ. Please be aware that you have an enemy that doesn't just oppose you on an intellectual level, but this enemy would kill you at the blink of an eye. If God was not protecting you, Satan would kill you right now. You don't, you don't get that, do you? If, if, it was, if it was not for the Lord putting his covering over you, if it wasn't for the Lord saying, no, you cannot kill him, then you'd be dead right now. Satan had his way, he'd wipe us all out. It's not just, not just wanting to silence you, but he wants you dead. And those who oppose the kingdom of God want you figuratively dead. They don't want any power, any signs of life from you. And that's why it's so important that the people of God, when we come together, we show that we are alive. We show that there are signs of life in the body of Christ. When we come together every now and then, we ought to clap our hands. Every now and then, we ought to shout hallelujah. Every now and then, we ought to say amen because we have signs of life. And that's why when we come together, it's a celebration. We want the enemy to know that you stumbled into a gospel party. You done, you done messed around and came into a place where people are celebrating the name of Jesus. This won't be a dead church. This won't be a cold church. But there's warmth and life and love in the fellowship. And that's why 
we do those things. And so, so, so there are people that want you dead. The, the enemy wants you dead. So the other reality that we must face, that even though that there are those that, that would want you dead, that would even try to kill you, the second reality is that God can still use what looks dead. Amen. Watch this now. God can still use what the world thinks is dead. Look at, look at verse 19 again. It says, they took Paul out to the, to the outside the city. They stoned him and dragged him out. And the last phrase is, supposing that he was dead. Now, bear in mind for just a minute that this wasn't the first stoning that these stoners had attended. They had been to a few other stonings. And when they stoned Paul and it got to a place where there was no movement in Paul. Watch this now. If someone thinks you are dead, they are first looking for signs of life. They want to know, is your chest moving in and out? Are you breathing? They check your pulse to see if your heart is beating. In the case of the apostle Paul, they stoned him and he showed no signs of life to them. Watch this now. Paul was stoned and left for dead they thought he was dead there were no signs of life in him and and the scripture says that they were supposing he was dead and it, and it's quite natural to assume that after they thought he was dead they turned and walked away now let me tell you what 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 happened here <laughs> paul under those circumstances could have simply just run for cover he could have run. Bible doesn't say they had to chase him. They got him. No signs of life. They stoned him. No signs of life. But look at what happens in this text. The Bible says, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up. Wait, 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 wait. Luke, Luke, you, you, you're pulling a fast one on us here. You just said that the people who knew something about stoning had stoned Paul and left him for dead. They supposed, they believed that he was dead. But Luke says, when the disciples, watch this now. Somebody see where I'm going. When the disciples when those people who love the Lord, when those people whose life was in round Jesus, when those people who are filled with the power of the Lord, those people who believe the gospel, when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up. Now I'm going to throw this in for free. This is why you pray for your leaders and each other. 
this is why you pray because there's something about what God will do when the disciples gather together. That which looked dead comes to life. Oh, y'all ain't getting this. Y'all ain't. Watch this. They gathered around him and he rose up. Now, we don't know. Luke doesn't say if Paul was actually dead. We don't know if this, if this, if that was the miracle that Paul was raised back to life. We don't know if that is what happened. But we do know that the disciples gathered around him. Now, if you allow me to use just a little bit of poetic license here, I would like to believe that when they gathered around Paul, yeah. here's, here's what I think happened. Abel, come up here for a minute. This is, this is what, I, what I believe might have happened. Abel, I want you to lay down right here on the floor. <laughs> just lay down right there. Now, I don't want you to give me any signs of life. No, that's too comfortable. I want you, there ain't no signs. You don't have to hold your breath. Now, here, here's, here's Paul laying down. Rick, come on up here. Ray, come on up here. Mike Marcel, come on up here. Victor, come on down here. Dexter, come on down here. The stoners had had done their dirtiest deed. They thought they had killed Paul. But I want y'all to gather around. And the disciples gathered around him. And, and I'd like to believe that somebody had the audacity to say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they picked him up. And he rose up in front of them. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. See, 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 Paul had some folks that loved the Lord. Now, I'm getting ready to throw something out to you that I hope you really get. Some of us have seen our fellow brothers and sisters after a good old-fashioned stoning. I wish I had somebody. Let me tell you what that means. It means not literal stoning, but life has been lobbing stones at them. They are going through some difficult times, some hardships. And unfortunately, we have walked past them, looking down, shaking our head and saying, isn't that too bad? Well, let me tell you what. God has you in community. He has you in community because you don't know when and you don't know where. Your stoning might be on, on, on the agenda. I, I wish I had somebody here. It might be your turn pretty soon. So when you see somebody that's down in the family of God, do everything you can to pray for them and to lift them up, and God will get the glory. I know it's a few people out here have been stoned by life. 
Some unexpected things happen. You get hit. You don't know where it came from. After a while, so many stones lobbed at you. You can't even look to see who's throwing them. But when you got a family of believers, don't fret because in community is power. When you are outside of community is when you are vulnerable. When you're in community, there's power. Amen? Amen. So, and so, and so, God decided to use that which looked dead. God said, Paul, your work isn't finished yet. The stoners thought you were dead. But I know what dead really is. God said, if I haven't pronounced you dead, then there's life in you. And I came to tell you today, for those of you who are going through difficulty, if God hasn't said that's the end, then it's not the end. If God hasn't said it's over, then it's not over. Watch this. Watch this. You may be in some trouble for the sake of the gospel. But the third reality I want you to get today is that God willing, there is a day that comes after your trouble. There's a day. What are you going to do with that day that comes after your trouble on your worst day when you think that you weren't going to make it when you felt like all hope was lost God gives you another day what are you going to do watch this now Paul could have got up and said that's it I'm done with you all Thank you for praying for me, but them rocks hurt. (laughs) I'm sore. I got knots on my head. I'm bleeding. And and I, I'm done. I, I I had enough of this preaching the gospel because I had no idea it was gonna be this hard. Paul could have said, that's it for me. Here's my resignation letter. You can take this apostle title and do what you want with it. <laughs> you can just call me playing old Paul. Matter of fact, change my name back to Saul. I, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to call me Paul anymore. You can call me Saul because I've been stoned and left for dead and that's it for me. I'm done. And some of us would have been right there. I can't tell you for sure that I wouldn't have been like, uh, wait a minute, I got a couple broken ribs and <laughs> I'm hurting. Maybe I'm through with this thing. Maybe life has treated you like that. Maybe you've said time and time again that I'm done saying anything in Jesus' name. I've had enough. People don't receive me. They reject me. They turn me away, and I'm through with it. Look at what Paul does. We wouldn't have been able to blame him if he would have left it and retreated. But the Bible says that he went right back to the place 
where the trouble started. Oh, wait a minute here. <laughs> are, you, are you telling? See, I think one of them rocks hit him in the head. Because in our, in our mind, there's no way that if somebody stones us and drags us out of the city and we are, by the grace of God, able to get up again, that we're going to march our happy self right back into the city where they just stoned us? Don't skip those words. Look, it said, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, and look at those last three words, and entered the city. He went right back to the place where all the trouble started. Now, <laughs> I want you to think for a moment and just use your imagination of what the faces of the stoners looked like when they saw Paul. I mean, these are people who might have been at the local watering hole celebrating. Yeah, we got that old Paul. Come up in here stirring up trouble, talking about some Jesus Christ and him crucified. We're not having that, not in our Jewish city. We're not having that in our synagogue. Nobody's going to turn us away from the temple. We are glad that we got rid of Paul. And all of a sudden, Somebody runs in and say, hey, I know y'all don't think I'm crazy. I know we were all there when the stoning happened, and we all thought he was dead, but apparently we were mistaken. I just saw Paul walking down the street, hallelujah, praising the Lord and giving God the glory. Something has gone on here. Can you imagine their faces? They come running outside. Now, you know, it's always one of them that would have been like, oh, that ain't Paul. That's somebody that looked like Paul. <laughs> you know, you know when, when, when God lifts you up from where you've been down, it's always somebody to say, that's not the real you. You understand? It's a, oh, they look, no, that just look like them. That's, that's, and there's always somebody say, well, you know, he might have a little adrenaline flowing, and that's why he got up and walked back into the city. But give him a few minutes when that adrenaline wear off, he's going to realize how hurt he is. But the Bible says he rose up and went right back into the city where all the trouble began. My brothers and sisters, God wants to take you back to the place where the trouble started. When you first got saved, wherever you were, it might have been some unsaved people in your life at that time. And God doesn't want you to just sit in the church and do nothing, but he wants you to go back to the city where you got saved and say, there's a word from the Lord. Look at my life. Y'all thought I was dead. Y'all thought that was the end of me. But look at what God has done. Can you imagine the face of the stoners. What would your enemies think when they see what they thought they had neutralized? What would the people 
who scandalized your name, who talked about you, who said you would never amount to anything. What would those people think if they could see you today sitting here in the house of the Lord, giving God the praise, realizing that you could have been and should have been dead, but thanks be to God, you are, I wish I had a few folks that believe that. You are still alive. What would they think if they could see, oh, that's, that's old so-and-so that used to do drugs. Look at them now. What would they think if they could say, that's old so-and-so that would drink all the time and, 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 and would get high all the time. But look at them. That's old so-and-so used to be the meanest person in the world. But look at them now with a smile on their face. What would they say if they could see you? Right now, what they thought was dead and useless is being used by the almighty God. What they thought was worthless, God found great value in. God said, bring me all your mess ups, all your trouble, all your disappointments, all your hurt. When I get to yours, just say something. All your pain, all your anger, all your, your drugs, everything. Bring it all to me. And he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In me, you will find rest for your soul. What would they say? What looked dead was actually still alive. God protected Paul's life even when his body felt pain. But look at what Paul does the day after his trouble. The same day he was stoned, he got up and went back to the city that stoned him. There's a message in here for you. When you go through trouble for the sake of Christ, you don't have to run away. You can get up and go right back to the people that ostracized you, that said you were no good, that you were worthless. Look at what Paul does the day after his trouble. He goes on a gospel road trip. Now, I want you all to understand this. They weren't using paper mache rocks <laughs> to stone Paul. <laughs> this wasn't some TV set prop. You know, a rock that look real, <laughs> but they're not really real. <laughs> You know, the old movies used to be in Technicolor. You know, they'd, they'd have those, like Samson would pick up something. It looked really heavy. It wasn't really a rock. I hate to bust your bubble. <laughs> These weren't fake rocks. These were real stones. They were heavy. It took a little bit to throw one of them, and when it hit you, it hurt. <laughs> now, here Paul is. The next day, I'd have been in ICU. <laughs> My wife be like, he he not taking any visitors. <laughs> I'd have been laid up talking about come on, Doc, help me out. I can't breathe. 
but look at what Paul does. The day after, without any medical attention, without, we don't hear anything about, now Luke was a doctor, maybe Luke looked him over, but think about where medicine was at that point in time. They didn't, he didn't get an x-ray, an MRI, nothing. And he gets up the next day, and he goes on this gospel road trip. See, when your life means nothing to you except for the glory of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you got a headache. It doesn't matter if you got a little stomach ache. It doesn't matter if your big toe is hurting. It doesn't matter for those things. You will go in the name of the Lord in spite of your infirmity and you will tell people that Jesus lives. Can you imagine? It took about seven days for them to go down to Derby. That was the city that they were going to. And over those seven days, maybe Paul healed up a little bit. But I'd like to think when he got there, he still had some scrapes and bruises. And he went on this road trip, and verse 21 says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. In other words, Paul didn't get up that next day and cry and moan about how tough his life was. He didn't get up that next day and say, woe is me. He didn't even have, according to the text, a Elijah moment where he said, Lord, I'm the only one that, that praises your name. He got up and he said, brothers, we got to go down to Derby because there are some people down there that don't know Jesus. And I know some of them said, Paul, look at your condition. Look at your situation. How in the world? You need to rest. You need to sit down. You need to be still. You need to heal up. And there's always somebody that will tell you that. And I'm not saying that for some of us, it might be some wisdom in it. But when you know inside of you, as Paul knew, that I have this burning in me, like Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones and I can't hold my peace. I got to go down to the next city and I've got to share the gospel of Jesus. He said, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, watch this now, they returned again to the place where he was stoned. Not only did he get up after being stoned and go right back to that city, he goes, preaches the gospel in Derby, and comes back. <laughs> Look at what he said he did. Strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. How beautiful of an object lesson it must have been for the disciples in Iconium and Lystra and Antioch that heard that Paul had been stoned and left for dead. But here was this man of God that refused 
to allow the enemy any victory. And he was coming right back to them to encourage them. My brothers and sisters, what Paul was really doing was sharing his testimony of God's grace. I mean, I can imagine that every sermon from that point on started with, I was stoned and left for dead. I had some broken ribs, broken hand, broken arms. I was bruised. I was beat up. But the brothers and the disciples prayed for me. Oh, come on. How encouraging would that have been for you to hear that no matter what you think what you're going through is tough? You, you've determined that your aches and your pains are so great. Can you imagine hearing that testimony? And me and my bum knee would just have to limp on out of there. I'm not saying a word about this bad leg. I'm going to keep going because, because here's a man that has been stoned and left for dead. And yet, he comes back to encourage me with the gospel. He comes back to disciple me. He comes back to say that whatever you're going through is not greater than what God can do. And I came today to tell you, Bethel Gary, that whatever your situation is, it's not too big for God. It's not too great for God. If you would just give him your life, he heals. He heals completely. He heals the heart that's been stoned. He heals the mind that has been attacked by the enemy. He heals the body that is physically disturbed and troubled. He heals. And let me tell you this. If he decides not to heal, then you limp towards the finish line. If he decides not to heal, then you drag yourself by any means necessary for the cause of Christ and let people know that you can shout hallelujah no matter what your circumstance is. Everybody in here today that's had some problems, stand on your feet and just give God some praise. If you've had a difficulty, give God some praise. If you had a circumstance that has hurt you, give God some praise. If you've had sickness in your body, give God some praise anyway and tell your neighbor, I got to anyhow praise. I'm going to praise him anyhow. The day after my trouble, I'm still praising. That's where God wants you to be today. If you're here today and you have not received the Lord Jesus, 